Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mad Men Recap. My name is Paul, and I am coming to you high atop the Brooklyn Studios in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, everybody. And I've got a little secret to tell you. I do. Um, I am joined by probably the best co-host on the planet, in the nation, in the world, in any other kind of situation he could be in. I'm with Dr. John, and Dr. John is coming to us live from Indianapolis, Indiana. Dr. John, how are you? I'm hanging in the Hoosier State, and I'm feeling great. <laughs> you've been, have you been working on that all day? It was most of the drive, yeah. <laughs> most of the drive was like, what rhymes with Hoosier? Hoosier, great state, got it. Everybody, it's exciting. Listen, John and I go out of our way to give you the best show we can, whether we're on the road, whether we're recording late at night. That's how much we care about folks. care about you folks. I got a little uh, little trivia for the uh, the recappers. Maybe, maybe. Oh. I'll see if anybody okay. knows this. This okay. is the this is the third uh, remote podcast that we've had in our show. The third mm-hmm. time I've been out of state, and mm-hmm. instead of painting the town red, coming to you all to talk about our favorite show, The Mad Men. And so I'll just be interested if any of our listeners can name the other two remote locations. I know. I sure know. I can't, John. I cannot at all. I figured. But you know what? You know what I can do. Tell me. I can recap this show the best I know how, folks. Uh, you may be saying to yourself, "Self, Paul, I, I don't even know what show we're talking about." Well, let me tell you. It's called The Flood. Okay. Um, it is. Uh, what is this? The fifth episode. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Time? Yeah. Yeah. Fifth episode. Um, who knows? Uh, I've got three things, but folks, I want to talk about a little something here at the top of the show, and I know a lot of people don't like it when I get too into the top of the show, but too bad. Um, As we asked you for last week, uh, we said, hey guys, you know what we love? We love it when you you review us on iTunes, because you always do such a great job. And folks, I got to be honest with you, you did. You did a great job. Thank you very much. Um, there was only maybe, uh, there was one guy who seriously hates me, um, and said that I'm trying to turn this show into like a, a, a morning zoo, which is not true at all. I wouldn't do that, John. Wait, what was that? What was that? That wasn't, I don't know. I, I, okay, fine. I got the soundboard fixed and, uh, and we are, we are, uh, we're, 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 we're going to see if maybe, um, we can make this certain person's dream, uh, uh come true Uh, oh my yeah don't worry folks i got a whole soundboard here i think you're going to enjoy it throughout the show check this one out (laughs) who let that chimpanzee in here john so so i know we're doing a podcast but i can already hear people clicking off (laughs) thank you uh we also had someone write in uh who who i think wanted to give us five stars she gives four stars and she said you know, in, in essence, um, one of the hosts is really phoning it in this year. Uh, John, she's talking about me. Um, and I'd like to say, uh, usually I get upset about this stuff. I'd like to say, you know what? You're right. I have been phoning it in this year. And I'm going to probably continue to do that. But for this episode, I'm going to try real hard to sound like I'm not. And you know how I'm going to do that, John? How are you doing that? By telling you the three things I learned. Are you ready? Oh, oh, this is always my favorite part. This is... Oh, it's apparently not everybody's favorite part, John. Uh, Number one, 
number one, it turns out in your life, as you go through it, you should never order soup on a first date. I always say that for the third day, John. The soup? Oh, yeah. That's how you know. Uh, you know, if things are going well, you order the soup and, you know, everything's still all right. I don't. It just struck me that they were at a soup type of place. I did not blame him for that. Well, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think you should still blame him because it was. I'm guessing his fault that they went on uh, a date uh, to a, like a like a diner. Right. Yeah. Right. Just it just fits fits in with the gins. Uh, number two, John. Damn dirty apes. Yeah, who saw that coming? I certainly did not. And number three. Don, for Christ's sake, they're going to D.C. Come on, man. Pull your head out of your ass. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, John, uh, I got to say, I love this episode. Like, I love them all. Um, we, uh, I think we should just, we should just jump, jump into it. Do you want to take, uh, take, take it from here? Yeah, absolutely. This uh, gets us started off on the far apparently far, far east side of New York. Is this an area you're familiar with? Uh, uh, this friend? is an area This is an area I'm familiar with, um, and I've got to say um, it was absolutely hilarious when she says this place will be worth you know, three times as much when they finish the Second Avenue subway. John? Yes? There is no Second Avenue. They're still not done with that. I Actually, someone on the Facebook mentioned that. They, they laughed uh, very, very loudly and said um, that it should be done we, somewhere around 2018. We all laughed incredibly loudly, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's true. Uh, they, they're still aiming to finish it, folks. Um, but I think Peggy would be dead by now. So there's a little humor that would have been lost to us non-New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. And so we I got. Uh, the, I think it's the. Yeah, they're actually it's the T. It's the T line. So does that not exist? Thinking. And they're and they're working on it. Or it's yeah. It's, I, I think that's what it's going to be called. I think it's going to be called the T uh, line. There you go. You have the one, two, three, the B, the D. I think it's going to be the T. I'm not sure. I don't know why I think that, but I think that's what it's going to be. Doesn't matter, John. Take me through this scene. <laughs> but anyways, so they're they're looking at this far east side, a little too far east for Peggy, but it's a much you know much more spacious uh, place. Abe comes in to kind of look at it. Peggy's. Uh, excited but a little anxious you know is it too far east but we got a doorman you know what do you think and um you know abe doesn't really give any kind of response he's just kind of there uh, trying to support i think but as we find out later not a big fan no no not at all not at all uh and i don't think i don't think it wasn't necessarily a fan of the apartment uh it's just you know it's kind of a tricky situation john when um the lady is uh you know paying for it um, I think, uh, I think Abe, and I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I know Abe. Have I, have I mentioned this on the show before, John? <laughs> I, um, maybe just once. Maybe just once. Yeah. I, I, for those of you that haven't heard, um, I know Abe, uh, we're kind of best friends. That's going a little far. Uh, I had met, <laughs> yeah. met him one, t- I've met him one time. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So it's a little tricky situation for Abe. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's supportive. Now, John, in the next scene, we are at, uh, we are at the household of the Francis's and, um, little Bobby who, um, you know, it's always been a point of contention on the show. Bobby, um, apparently is obsessive compulsive. He is tearing off some of the, um, 
wallpaper because we find out later it's bothering him that it doesn't match up. Well, I, this may this may have been one of my favorite tweets of the live tweet. I don't know if you caught that one. Uh, whereas uh, somebody said after seeing Bobby, you know, go through that first layer of wallpaper, that he's trying to desperately escape the Francis Mansion, Andy Dufresne style. <laughs> It would have been funny if instead of him moving his bed in front of it, he would have tried to move the train uh, painting in front of it. The that train painting? Yeah, that looks like a little train painting above his bed. Oh, oh, yeah, there you go. That was... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's somehow a, a poster of Raquel Welch, but um, I, I, for now it looks like a train painting to me. <laughs> to be honest, Johnny... I actually have no, I have no concept of what's going on with the whole... I don't know if, if uh, our friend uh, the whiner was trying to do something incredibly uh, deep there, but I missed it. Wait, with the, with the peeling of the wallpaper? Yeah. No, no, no. I think it's literally just to start to talk about how, how Bobby is obsessive-compulsive. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think that's all it is. I think it's just you know, kind of an interesting thing, giving Bobby at least some type of um, character characteristic. Yeah, that's right. I can say character and characteristic together uh everybody uh, we get to this next scene let me just let me just uh, fill you in where you're at where we're at here we're coming downstairs with don and uh megan uh dressed to the nines looking sharp looking very sharp john to the lobby of the uh of the uh building and who do we run into but we run into the doctor and his wife and where are they headed let me tell you they're headed to washington dc now don is taken aback he doesn't know why where she's going uh, or what they're doing. He seems a bit distracted. Am I right? He, he is distracted. He, uh, apparently she didn't run her travel plans through him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know why this bothers him. I, mean, I don't I know either, John. He's having an affair with her. He doesn't seem like he's there every night from what we've seen in the past episodes. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's got kind of, you know, obviously a lot of uh, issues between the ears. But he does. He seems taken aback from this. And uh, I have to ask you about this. So, okay, the, the scene ends, right? And they're mm-hmm. walking away. Everybody says, had a great trip and whatnot. Um, and, and we find out she's getting an award, possibly, for advertising and so forth. But they're walking away, and the doctor says, And Don, we're going to D.C. Now, I, I, really, yeah. I, want, you, I want you to tell me, uh, right when we get to, like... Um, Right when we get to, I think it's uh, scene four, like 427, right? Four minutes, 27 seconds on your iTunes. Uh, uh, Sylvia's waving, and the doctor has this smirk on his face. Do you think that's in any way, like, I know what you're doing, smirk? Because it's not like I a smile. It's I don't not think like... so, let me, and let me tell you why. Um, All right. Some people smile a little weird, Okay. And uh, I think maybe he just has a weird smile on his face. He was trying to be funny, and that's a funny joke. Listen, I would have said the same thing. And what I think caps this off is that if he did know, I think uh, 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 the doctor's wife would be a little less likely to wave and smile at Don like she's doing. So I'm going to guess this is purely just a uh, funny ha-ha joke. And, folks, it made me laugh. And let me tell you, I'm a tough sell. So you think there's, you think there's no knowing there? Doctor's still I think in the there dark. Is, I think there is absolutely no knowing. It's just a hilarious joke. Wow. That's, that's all. 
that is that is, that is all. Well, uh, speaking of hilarious, we get to see Ginsburg. I mean, this guy. We do. This guy is is fantastic. Now he's coming back to his. I know you've told me this in the past. What what kind of apartment is this? Oh, this is a tenement apartment, and it's very well done. It definitely feels like it feels like something out of the tenement museum uh, here in New York, folks. And I've mentioned before. I'll mention it again. If you're in New York City, I highly recommend you going to the Lower East Side and just checking out the uh, tenement museum. Uh, you literally will walk into Ginsburg's apartment. Uh, Fascinating. Ex- so- so he's coming back to his tenement apartment. He sees his dad hanging out with this young woman. Not really sure what's going on. We find out it's an arranged date. Ginsburg doesn't really take to this exactly well. You know, he's, he has a point. You know, he's tired. He's uh, probably not smelling the greatest. And, um, you know, and this is, a, this is a really charming young woman named uh, Beverly Farber. She is the daughter of a chess pal. Of Ginsburg's dad, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, is um, again, she's just kind of agreeing to do this as a favor, and uh, Ginsburg kind of gets elbowed into this, you know, and his dad's a little pushy. It's like, what? Take a look at her, like I'm doing you a disservice. So I've got to say, uh, uh, Ginsburg's like kind of manic, neurotic tendencies are rather yeah. charming. So I am surprised, and I think we all know what he reveals later. I'm a little surprised that uh, that it, he hasn't been able to make that work for him. Well, I mean, I mean, he may just not know what to do with what he's got, you know. Well, that's that's obviously very very clear, right? <laughs> okay, let's put that away. Uh, okay, I've got. <laughs> good luck. No, 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 folks. I'm going to continue to do this throughout the rest of the show, whether you like it or not. Uh, feel free to write a scathing uh, iTunes um, on this one. You know, it, <laughs> you know, it's going to be nothing but like glowing. You know, please more with the sound effects. Please, I uh, hate Paul more. More <laughs> with the chimp sounds, John. Um, it's so funny because yeah. okay, go ahead. No, no, it. I'm just saying I'm excited because we're getting we get to this dinner, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, should I tell? No, okay, we we won't launch into this quite yet. It's exciting to get to the dinner. However, the you know this is an awards dinner. Um, we're we're actually at the um, we we are at the. Uh, I apologize here for bringing it up. The fourth annual Andy Awards dinner of the Advertising Club of New York. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, of course the Heinz uh, advertising campaign is up for the award. But um, Peggy is on the team, as is Megan, and neither one of them is at the company anymore. No, not you know, at all. And uh, uh, Peggy's company doesn't have a finalist in there, and Sterling Cooper doesn't have anybody else in there. But it's nice. They have a, a little great interaction. Uh, Megan and Peggy, they're pleased to see each other, happy to talk. Peggy's excited to share her news about the uh, department. I think a little bit of insight that we do get here, though, is that remember in the last episode, I think it was the last episode where they where they lost the ketchup account. I made the um, the conjecture, which, of course, was wrong, um, that Don wasn't so much mad about her um, kind of stealing his or borrowing his uh, his lines. Um, And, and, you know, he was probably just more interested in in what she was doing. when she said when she was talking about changing the conversation, 
I think it turns out, of course, I was wrong. And uh, Don is a little miffed about it or a little uncomfortable with it because when Megan says, hey, I want, hey, there's Peggy, let's go see her, Don says, ah, I'm going to wait for the others. So um, I think he's definitely feeling a bit uncomfortable with, uh, with Peggy these days. Yeah, fair enough. And so, but uh, we get back to the, uh, the Sterling Cooper table, and we got, uh, we got our mountain man, Stan, mm-hmm. in the tux with the, with the thick beard. Uh, Jones looking very nice in the, the one-shoulder blue dress. And Roger brings over some guy, somebody we've never seen before, uh, a new guy named Randy Walsh, apparently sells insurance. What and is this wackadoo? What is this wackadoo, and why is he even in this episode? Well, apparently, it's a very easily explained his behavior pattern. You see, he's Tom Cruise's cousin. It's true. It's a fact. I don't. This is the truth. This is that's actually Tom Cruise's cousin. Yep. Because I don't think that's cool. And John, you know how I feel about Tom Cruise. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. So he, he has a very happen. bizarre very bizarre interchange with uh, with Don and just walks off scene, thankfully. And then we see uh, Chaw come in with his wife, Nan. And mm-hmm. there she says, good luck, everybody. And he sits down in Abe's seats. Now, do you think that there's anything uh, brewing with Chaw and Peggy? Two things I want to talk about. Two, uh, two things I want to talk about here. Number one, what you just brought up. Now, people think there's something between Cha and Peggy. I do not. I think Cha is like Don to Peggy, but in a different way. He's a very, um, instead of like being mean to her, he's very, very supportive of her. He's an encouraging um, mentor. Exactly. He can see her talent. He knows that her talent is going to make him money and it's going to do uh, wonders for the agency. So he's just very supportive. I think that's great. I think that's fine. I don't think it has to get weird. Number two, but John. Number two. Here's what I'm talking just see, about. Here, don't you just see, though, like the, the, the whiner doing a rope-a-dope here? You know, it's been, we had the whole offseason. Chalk comes back. He's charming. He's personable. All of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, what a nice guy. And then he's just going to do something awful. Of course he will, John. And I'm glad you brought that up because, as you know, I'm always wrong. And you brought the other side in. So now people can choose. So, folks, this is your opportunity during the show to write to us and say, I'm with Paul or I hate Paul. I'm with John. Those are your two choices. Uh, Now, uh, (laughs) uh, what's a little awkward and and why I think you're bringing this up is that uh, Cha sits next to Peggy and starts talking to her very intently. And then who comes up behind them? uh, But Abe. Now, folks, um, if you'll notice, Abe is literally wearing the Colonel's bow tie from Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> it is it is the Colonel. Uh, now, I don't know if we're going to do some kind of storyline where Abe starts a fried chicken franchise, but that's interesting. <laughs> Just give, I don't know. give that some it, thought. I think there's a good chance that's a clip on. Well, uh, I think you're right there. I hope it is. Because, man, that's weird. Uh, but I'll tell you what, John. After we get, uh, we get that kind of awkward scene over, we end up back in the diner restaurant. We see where Ginsburg takes his date. And I think Ginsburg could do himself a favor here, John, by just shutting up. Well, but I think that's what we learned about him from, like, day one, right? I mean, back when he got interviewed by Peggy. You know, this guy could probably be a lot better if he stopped talking. But that's just right. not his way. That is not his way. 
You know, he's busy eating the, uh, the his pickle with his soup. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he just kind of uh, just kind of has diarrhea of the mouth here. He says several things, John. Um, he says that, um, he, like, he tries, he tries to be a little bit smooth here and, and, uh, and, and, and tries to make an uh, assumption that maybe they'll go home together. And she says a big giant no to that. Uh, he does reveal um, that he has never had sex before, which uh, normally you kind of keep close to the vest. Um, at least where I'm from. He also introduced me to a new word. Oh, what's that? I had not heard. Yes. He, uh, he said, you know, perhaps my, my dad has made me out to sound like some sort of Lothario. 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 From the El Barrio. Yes. So if you want to run to your dictionary, you may find that it is an unscrupulous seducer of women. Is that think, right? I don't think anybody's made him out to be that. Yeah! Uh, we do find out that... Uh, Bev- <laughs> we do find out that Beverly is uh, getting her master's at Hunter College. Which, Hunter uh, College, is, yes. Is that something that uh, you, you go past in your work time? Yeah, that's right. That's right here in New York. I believe. I've always seen ads for it on like the upper, kind of the Upper East. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I says don't know. Right, right, in the heart of, uh, right in the heart of Manhattan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Definitely so. He also, this is where uh, Ginsburg points out to us that you do not order soup on the first date. Um, that, that's just stupid. But Beverly's but, very polite, you know, at the same, you know, she, she's pointing out, look, this, you know, this is not your night, uh, but you are very, you know, she's very complimentary. She's pleasant, you're very handsome. Uh, and then he follows it up with, you know, do you make a lot of money teaching? Yeah. No. It, and now this may make me sound stupid and folks, I'm a couple drinks in. So give, give me a, give me a break. But she looks like someone out of that era. I don't know how they do it. You know, you know, you know what I mean. Like you look yeah. at old people, and people definitely look like they're a little different than we are now. And it's not just haircuts, folks. It's you know, it's evolution. I don't know. No, you're right. But, but I, uh, I think this is why people say like um, Jane Bryant is so amazing. You know, because it's and I know what you're saying about how she looks, but part of that really is the the costume, the clothing, and uh-huh. it's it's perfect. Mm-hmm. This is true. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, but John, I, I think I think I think the real takeaway here, and that's what I do. I try to focus on the takeaway. The takeaway is just just don't take a lady to the diner on the first date. Where, where would you take her? Oh, you got to take her somewhere fancy, John. Some somewhere like uh, like Arby's, or uh, or at least Hardee's, <laughs> or for you folks on the West Coast, to Carl's Jr. Uh, Anywhere with curly flies. Oh, this is true. And you'll notice in this scene that she just has regular fries, John. If you want to impress a lady, you get the curly fries going. You think that's the okay. reason, this is the reason why she is in fact making this not the night for him. Oh, I seriously, if he would have if he would have got her somewhere with some curly fries, maybe a little obey on there, get out of town, John. Get out of town. They would have had they would just run back to her place. Done and Ginzo would have Ginzo would have become a man that night. <laughs> oh boy. So anyways. speaking of men, John, speaking of men, let's head back to the uh let's head back to the awards where Paul Newman is speaking. Good so, god. So this was the fascinating thing that uh, that I had read about. Okay? So uh so Paul Newman is the guest speaker at this uh, awards dinner, right? Seems like mm-hmm. an interesting choice. Well, it's an interesting choice because this is completely 100% fact. 
What? This exact <laughs> event happened. The fourth annual Andy Awards dinner of the Advertising Club of New York was being held. Paul Newman was guest speaking, and someone in the audience, while he was speaking, stood up and yelled out exactly what is yelled out in the show. This is a factual event, minus the the fictional advertising firms. No kidding. For, for, yeah. That's insane. Right? Isn't that, I mean, all the way down to the, the interaction there. Um, it's, and and I, I have to say, it had a very odd descent to it when it happened. Right? I don't yeah. know if you thought that. But I thought there was, you know, it felt a little odd. Um, obviously, the news is, you know, uh, terrible. You know, there's just this uh, amazing tragedy that uh, that happens but um, that's what i thought was amazing is that uh, you know and there's a there was a website that um, that i had found from the atlantic wire where they actually have uh, a link to the original um, paper newspaper article mm-hmm. um, you know it even even quotes the guy who says do you know mr newman sir that martin luther king is dead sir what do you have to say and oh. this is after this is after a uh, this is after, and according again, re, just reading from the article, this is after a lighthearted appeal for Senator Eugene McCarthy. Um, right. Oh wow. That, uh, you know that uh, Paul Newman has uh, had just finished his little uh, little appeal for that. Um, actually, I actually really like how they did this because um, you couldn't hear what the person yelled out. It's like you were one of the members at the at the awards, right? Like you couldn't quite hear what happened, and then everyone starts murmuring around. It was nice. It was. A, I mean, I think they did a good job with that. Now, if you go back the second time and you really hone in, you can hear. I mean, it's not inaudible. I want you to know that I did go back a second time, and I still couldn't hear. Oh, you would. Yeah, I mean, I, but yeah, I've had. And, and and the thing is, John, is I've been playing these uh, morning talk show sounds or morning zoo sounds on my headphones really loud. Yeah, and uh, I'm wondering if I just haven't uh, gotten a little bit of hearing loss. That'll do it. You know what? What you'll do for the show? You know, that's what I I like to take it all the way there and all the way back, folks. Um, but one thing so- I'd like to point out: I'm going to try to I'm going to try to cool it on the sounds now because unfortunately, at this part in the show, things get a little serious, right? So all week Very I've been uh, so. thinking about how I can't wait to use my morning zoo sh- zoo sounds on the next podcast. And then when I watch the show, it's all serious and stuff. It is very serious, and everybody's know. You know, very serious in their reaction to it. Um, I know. I thought uh, I um, the other partner of uh, of CGC, you know, was sitting at the table. Somebody says, "What do you think happened?" And I mean, you just kind of looks right at him and says, like, "What do you think happened?" Like he got shot. Um, this guy's kind of a turd. Yeah, yeah. I think he was referred to as Roger with bad breath. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, now, uh, when when the when the announcement is is kind of yelled out from the back of the room, Abe stands up and 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 screams, "That's not true." Well, I, yeah, I think he says, "You know, who said that?" Who I said mean, that? In, that's right. Because if if it's somebody, you know, if that's somebody's really poor taste idea of a joke, I think Abe's gonna you know give him the what for. Oh, that's good. I like Abe. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I mean, and it's not and it's not just because we're friends off the show, John. I don't want it to come <laughs> across like that. Because if it does, I apologize. Just you know, it's just whatever. Um, but yeah, so the so the room kind of lights up with the murmur. Uh, things get a little uh, upset. Joan starts crying, um, and we find ourselves uh, also experiencing this with Ginsburg and his date. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I listened to the little behind-the-scenes uh, episode that where Weiner's interviewed for each one of these. Uh-huh. And that's, this was really his goal, is to show the tragic event as, as individual experiences. Uh-huh. You know, so not as, not as so much the social uh, effect, although that's, you know, definitely part of it. But, you know, how do people take this kind of news? And obviously, well, and I think that's I think that's what's really interesting because what you don't get from learning about these type of things, right? Like everyone learns about this event um, in 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 school, right? But you learn about the event, you don't learn about the reaction around that event, which is you know, uh, in 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 a way, um, very powerful because you get an idea for how people felt about it. Um, and to be honest, you know, I didn't I didn't know how their characters would would react to this, like. For instance, Joan has always come across a bit racist. Um, so I thought it was just interesting to see how, I think the dynamics on the show about how people related to each other about this were kind of interesting. Absolutely. Well, and you see like uh, Ginsburg's almost uh, just angry uh, at it. His date is a little bit uh, sad. You see the African-American chef come out and, and kind of, uh, you know, almost collapse into the chair. Uh, you know, so again, you're, you're seeing individual reactions to this, and uh, of course, when we see uh, Mr. Henry Francis getting, um, you know, getting very animated, uh, getting anxious that the the city is going to burn down because of you know possible reaction to this. Now, did you do any research on? Because I didn't. Did you do any research on uh, how New York City responded to this? Where I mean, I I assume. Because this show is pretty factual, that there were riots and whatnot. But uh, did did you find out anything else? Were there any specifics? Uh, you know what I did see was uh, one of again one of the tweets right during this time that said you know uh, I forget the exact areas of town, but they were like yeah you know those uh, those like Newark and a certain part of New York City still haven't recovered from the riots. Uh, yeah, no, it's funny because when they mention later in the show that Peggy's, uh, Peggy's uh, receptionist and her parents went to Newark and Peggy's reaction is like, why? Like, oh my God, why would you do that? That is the same reaction I would have now. If someone came into work and said, uh, you know, like things went bad and they said, I went to Newark, I would, I would say, oh my God, why are you making this worse for yourself? I don't know what Newark was like back then, but now I wouldn't go on a good day. You wouldn't go on a good day to Newark? No, I wouldn't go on like a perfectly nice day. It's the last, it is still the last place I would go. So it's kind of interesting. I'm guessing it, I don't know if there were any good days for Newark, but it doesn't seem like there ever were. Um, And uh, yeah, apparently, uh, yeah, apparently it hasn't recovered because uh, it's still pretty bad. But uh, we find ourselves then back at uh, the award show. It seems to be uh, halted for uh, the time being. Uh, everyone's out in the lobby, apparently using the phone, uh, which I'm not quite clear on why the phone's got so backed up. But I'll tell you what, uh, Rapey Pete's not happy about it. Um, we see um, uh, Abe, uh, you know, he works, he's a, he's a journalist, and uh, he's going to go cover Harlem for the New York Times. Uh, which uh, Peggy is a bit concerned about, uh, obviously so, uh, and so is he, uh, being a uh, white guy in a tux, headed to Harlem on such an evening. 
yeah, not, not the smartest move, but hey, this is what reporters do, right? So he just bolts, and Peggy even tells Don, like, I, what am I going to do? And he just took yeah. off. So Don says, you know, we're going to, we'll give you a ride. The, the lights flash. You know, that really we're going to still do the awards? Like, really? And, and you know, and we see Don's kind of, again, based on his interview, the after show thing, his default, um, you know, response to anything, which is just ignore it. It didn't happen. Move on. You know, I mean, he's like, what else are we going to do? I don't know. I just, I'm, I just will I don't know. I don't exactly. Know, this I is what I'm saying. I, I think a lot of people probably would have left. Yeah, I, I, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I'm trying to remember, like, in such a situation, what we did. I don't know. You know, like, because the only situation that, that kind of like that would be 9-11, but I was in college at that point. Yeah, and, you know, I don't, and it hadn't, classes hadn't started yet, so no one really did anything. But and, and that was an early morning thing, right? If I'm remembering. Yeah. That. Yes, it was. You know, where this is this was a Friday evening or I mean I think the event was Friday afternoon, but the you know, they're currently at Friday. That's the other thing is there's there was no Twitter, there was no, you know, I mean the the people had heard the news about it that were running the thing, but everybody that had shown up for cocktails uh, and for dinner had shown up before any news outlets had gotten hold of it. So there would be no way for those people to have heard about it. All right. Wow. Different times, John. Different times. Uh, well, you know, would no. I mean, you know, with even, you know, well, even the bombings recently, you know, you hear, I heard you heard about it at work, but I mean, you know, you stayed at work because again, like Don, like, what are you going to do? You know? Right, right. But I think, you know, the, again, just different, not only different times, but different circumstances. You know, somebody True. that was, you know, that, somebody that was kind of the face for. True, definitely. For an enormous definitely. population uh, versus, yeah. you know, just kind of a, a generalized attack um, yeah. type of thing. Different but thing. but anyways, I think, uh, you know, so so and, and there, there's definitely plenty of more that, of that to uh, to come on this episode. But. Uh, for just a moment, we step back into the Francis Francis Mansion, uh, which yeah. doubles as a haunted mansion at uh, Halloween. And uh, Bobby continues his escape plan by going down yeah. uh, a little bit more of the uh, the wallpaper. And uh, Betty comes in and at first thinks she's going to console him, and then it's like, "What are you doing?" And he just it just like lies. I mean, he just I didn't do any. Like she's seeing him tear it. It's like I didn't do anything. Well, um, at the same time, uh, uh, I, I would I would have probably done the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Betty is Betty is terrifying, and I want to want to call out one of the funniest tweets I saw was the was the guy who said that if um, if we, there wasn't proof that Betty was home with her ki- with her uh, children, she would be a prime suspect in this whole in this whole debacle. Uh, which, which I can't, I can't lie. Uh, she's a, she's a monster. John, I, I want to say that probably the most monstrous thing in this scene is the gigantic paisley print dress she is wearing, which I've got to be honest, I vomited three times on the train when watching this. <laughs> it is, uh, it is, it is difficult. Uh, but of course she can't talk about it or kind of ask, 
Uh, Ask little Bobby what's wrong. Um, she just says, go to bed. I don't want to do this right now. Um, and, uh, and accuses him of trying to destroy the entire house. Now, Jenna, if I'm not mistaken, that is probably a three-inch tear in the wallpaper, which was put up incorrectly. So, but, but the thing I is, I don't know whose side you're on. I don't know if, but you, I if am you saw on this Bobby's from uh, if you saw this from the, the secondary camera angle, uh, you can really pick up on the fact that this is a load-bearing wall. So this is what is she's, it now? Yeah, this is what she's okay. looking for. So he's at least going to take down the second floor with this uh, with this act of defiance. Well mm-hmm. done, sir. But uh, then we, we get to, we get to. Can you come up? Here's the thing. I, you're great at you're great at uh, just throwing out names. You know, you've you've gotten a couple uh, uh, killers in the past. Uh, with Pete Campbell's being the best. I was wondering if you could hit us with uh, with with some kind of moniker for his uh, his apartment. Oh if, yeah. If I know you yes. called it the dungeon last time, but I was just I was well, looking it, for maybe a... something a little. Uh, I don't know, a little more colorful, kind of like the panels by the bed. Um, no, I think after this episode, uh, uh, Pete's apartment is where sadness goes to kill itself. It is the most... <laughs> it, it, it is the saddest, most terrible place on earth. It, oh, my God. It's where... It's where <laughs> I don't even... All I can say, all I can think of is just terrible things. It is so sad. It is the saddest thing. At, like, there's such a low light. And it's like, and like, honestly, at this point, they should take the sconce off the wall and just have, like, the single light bulb hanging down from the wire just swinging, like, <laughs> yeah, like slowly back and forth, and the TV is blinking and finally just blows up. This guy has hit rock bottom, guys. He is in the worst place he can be. And it's it's almost, you know, it, it's, 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 I don't know. Like he can't even. He's not terrible enough to even capitalize on this, right? Like you would think, um, Rapey Pete is so terrible that okay, if he gets kicked out of his house, he's just gonna go find um, some loose women to entertain. But he doesn't, uh, which is surprising. He's just compounding um, his uh, his sadness by you know staying there, um, you know thinking about Trudy, calling her. Um, and I've got to say, during this scene where Pete calls Trudy to say, ask if she's okay and if he should come home, um, I think everyone collectively is, uh, is, is, is screaming, stay strong, Trudy, stay strong. Uh, he, is, uh, he is not welcome there, nor should he be. Um, and I've got to say, they really did an impressive uh, job in this episode, making him just look like the most miserable human on the face of the earth. So that's the. I guess that's the question: Is do you feel like he was actually, sincerely, you know, missing her and the daughter, or did you think he oh. wanted to try and you know use use this moment of catastrophe as a way to snake back in? Both. I think he genuinely does miss miss them. I mean, he misses um, having somewhere to go home to that isn't uh, you know like a uh, heroin den. Um, and yeah, maybe he was a little bit using this as a way in, but I, I, I gotta say, I think in this case, I don't think Pete was overly self, I mean, overly, uh, you know, uh, using this as a, as a tool. I think he was just genuinely, you know, this is a time of a strife, um, and, uh, you know, calling to kind of talk about it. He needs to, he's a lonely guy, man. 
He has no one to talk to. Everyone hates him. It's kind of like he is the uh, he is the uh, Paul of that podcast. Oh no! You know what I'm saying? Oh. A little bit, a little bit, John. Uh, and that's okay. You know what? Sometimes you just sit next to your translucent weird panels, and you eat your uh, Chinese food because it's delicious. Some sometimes. Moving on. We, uh, we find ourselves back at the Draper household. We're talking in, uh, in uh, French-Canadian uh, to our Marxist father, if you're Megan. Um, not too happy about uh, his comments about the, uh, the city being in decay and him, him loving it. He really has apparently nothing some, you know, remorse, not, not remorseful, but nothing uh, emotional to say about the situation that's happened. Uh, Don is, uh, you know, trying to get some news on the TV about what's going on. Uh, it's not good. Um, there's a lot of rioting and, and fires, um, not only in New York, but, uh, but also in D.C., which is some concern uh, because his, uh, his lady of the night uh, happens to be in D.C., as we know. And we, we also saw, you're right, I mean, that's, he's, he's showing some concern about that. And then they, they do kind of shine in with uh, with all the concern both uh, both drapers seem to have uh, no one really has any kind of celebration that megan did in fact win her advertising award but yes, uh, the advertising club of new york 1967 and the award of the, excellence to yes. megan draper yes oh. but and we oh. also uh we also got to see uh the the uh, the news program at the Ginsburg residence when he tells Dad that he's uh, he's home early because hey they shot uh, you know they shot him and we start to hear the sirens and you know so we're really getting all the bad news like you were yeah. saying about the riots and so forth definitely um, we are now uh, into the next morning um, Don uh, shows up at work it was uh, raining. Uh, Roger comes in and says that, uh, you know, it's a shame that had to happen. Um, he was a, he, that guy could really talk. I thought that would save him. What does that mean, John? What, what, what does that mean? What do you, so you, you're saying that because he was, uh, I'm saying, Roger was saying that because he can, uh, because he's good with the words that he could really get out of, you know, I think this, this could be an incredibly, uh, foreshadowing scene right here for, um. For Don. In what way? Well, you know, just because uh, just because he could talk, because he was good with the words, he could uh, you know manipulate a conversation that he could have gotten out of anything. And you know, now here's he here's how here's how I took it, John. Yeah. I feel as if, and and someone maybe pointed this out, that kind of each of these characters is somehow kind of relating this to themselves, right? Or somehow putting themselves into this. Whereas Roger, who is good with the talking and has been able to save himself many times with it, um, has that feeling because he's been able to do that. Oh, very nice. Right? And then when Pete, um, later in this, in, in this kind of part of the episode, is yelling at Harry about his lack of... Um, um, kind of uh, real interest or real emotion around this subject, um, you know, talks about how uh, he had a family. Um, so it feels as if each character is kind of sort of layering themselves on top of this and trying to make sense of it with their own uh, experiences. That is spectacular, my friend. Well done. 
Thank you, John. It's not something that happens often, folks. I'd like you to take a note and uh, send me a congratulatory email. <laughs> thank, thank you. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, Don uh, makes a phone call when Roger leaves and sa- uh, to uh, the doctor's office, trying to find out uh, if there's any word about uh, whether they're safe in D.C. or whether they're back or what's going on. See, yes, he is quite concerned about his lady of the night. And, John, I've got to say, this is kind of confusing for me. I thought that he would, um, you know, that they were definitely, you know, he had said in the first episode that he wanted to stop doing this, um, cheating or uh, having, carrying on this relationship. I really got the feeling that she wasn't very important to him and that he was just doing this because he doesn't know how to stop. Or, uh, or he's trying to fill a gap in his own self. But it seems as if he's putting some um, effort into this other person, uh, which feels almost contradictory of, uh, of our earlier uh, interaction. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think he kind of caught himself there towards the end when he's like, wait, what am, what am I, what am I going to leave a message saying? Like, no. Yeah, I'm exactly. Not, I'm not going to leave a message. Exactly. Is your wife okay? Boo. <laughs> Right, you know, right, absolutely. No, I think it'll be that'll be interesting because you know this whole thing has got to blow up at some point this season, and sure. it'll be fascinating to see how that goes. Sure. Uh, we then find ourselves over in Peggy's office where her um, her secretary has come into work. Uh, she is actually hanging out in in uh, in Peggy's office, and when Peggy comes to work, um, you know, she has a very awkward interaction. Uh, Peggy, I think, has a hard time with her feelings, uh, much like uh, Don. Um, uh, I mean, in a different way, but it's tough to interact with, uh, with folks. And I've got to be honest with you. I think most of us have this, have this problem. It's tough to know what to say to people when it's, you know, uh, uh, such a difficult uh, situation. Um, well, especially when you're not, you know, when you're not friends outside of work. You exactly. Know I, mean? I think that makes it a lot... Uh, a lot, a lot exactly. I, I think difficult. I think you want to express um, you want to express how you feel about the situation, but it almost seems inappropriate because you don't know the person well enough. Anyway, um, Peggy I, gives, um, and I think they also do a good her. job of showing us. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but you know, how, again, it's just kind of the individual response where Peggy says, "Oh, you should go home," and she's like, "Well, yeah, uh, thank you so much," and she, you know, bustles off. As opposed mm-hmm. to when we see Dawn in a minute, and they're like, "Oh, you should go home," and she's like, "No, I, I really want to be here." You know, um, just... we find we find that uh, this is where we find out that uh, Peggy's uh, Peggy's secretary uh, was going to Newark, which, like I said, it, it, it terrifyingly surprising. I would wouldn't think you'd want to you'd want to head that way, but. Uh, and I also wanted anyway, to point out that uh, in this Peggy episode, sense... she uh, she got rid of the uh, she got rid of the the donut frost. We don't have the frosted lipstick this time, this time. I think that was a good call. That was a good call on her part. Uh, Peggy does send her home, which is very kind. And we find ourselves at the Francis household, John. Right, and you know uh, Henry went down to try and uh, you know be part of the brigade to save the day or keep the city standing and. Um, you know, he's talking about the uh, Mayor Lindsay and how he's uh, embracing the uh, the chaos. And um, 
and he's saying how he, I mean he doesn't seem real thrilled with how it went. But no, I think he's not standing. happy. He's not happy that they're um, that they are negotiating with the terrorist, as it were. Right? Uh, they're having to um, negotiate with um, the hoodlums um, instead of trying to crack down, just trying to keep the peace by um, by paying people off. Right, and and he's not a fan of that. No, no, definitely not. We then get to the scene that I think was probably the most uh, most talked about scene, uh, maybe where uh, Pete and uh, Crane kind of go at it. Uh, Crane does, I think, come at this situation quite. Uh, there's quite no compassion, rudely. you know. Yeah, there's no no compassion, quite rudely. But at the same time, he's he's really thick in. Um, the way that the clients are handling it, right? The clients are upset that, you know, they, their advertisements aren't getting seen because of all the news break-ins and whatnot, and they're canceling shows, and it's a huge problem for him. Now, could he have gone about talking about it in a better way? Certainly. Could Pete be a little less um, crazy about this in the way that he responds? I think totally. Uh, he could try to just kind of calmly talk some sense into Harry to kind of let him see where he's um, kind of gone off the rails a little bit. But uh, no, Pete just starts screaming about uh, that he's a racist. Uh, Crane starts screaming that uh, he's an idiot and his porn addiction is out of control. Um, and then uh, 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 our, our good friend Coop comes out and makes them apologize to each other. I've got to say, the scene, the scene is not my, my favorite, uh, but it was, it was very, uh, very, uh, very high tensions, certainly. Yeah, 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 you know, Pete kind of uh, just yelling that it's a shameful, shameful day. It was, uh, I, I was kind of with Crane in, in the whole, like, don't, don't yell at me. <laughs> what the? Yeah, he could have handled it much better. But I think this, so what I was saying earlier, where Pete's kind of now put this on, on himself, um, to, you know, relating it, relating to it in his own situation. Uh, where, you know, he doesn't have his, you know, he is not able to be there for his family anymore. And then this guy. Uh, or I'm sorry, not this, um, uh, uh, Martin Luther King, his family has been um, has been without a father. So it feels as if, uh, you know, it, kind of he's putting himself in in this in a way. Well, you, I think you can uh, see where, where Crane's coming from is he's, you know, his big uh, issue right now is is the riots. You know, that, that was his big thing about how no one's going to be happy until we destroy the city. Yeah. Turbulent times, John. Definitely. We then get back to uh, Don's office. Uh, Dawn comes in. Joan gives her the most awkward hug on the face of the earth. Ever. Oh, my God. Ever. Ever. Ever seen. Now, someone said it uh, wasn't Joan's fault because she does have shorter arms. If she had more proportionate arms, this would not have been so awkward. Is it the arms that are the problem? I think, uh, I, I think not. Um, I think we've seen. I, I do think uh, 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 Joan has changed her mind, or, 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 or maybe likes Dawn a little bit better um, than right. than first uh, seen. Um, but I still think it's incredibly awkward, and and Dawn looked <laughs> completely, completely confused. Well, that's the big um, difference like between this scene and the Peggy scene is that you know Peggy's secretary Phyllis is you know embracing her back, whereas Dawn is just yes. you know standing there. Holding her, you know, her uh, rain bonnet, and trying not to just, you know, itch inch away from this hug. 
Indeed, indeed. She has to say to stay. Don says all right, and uh, the scene kind of ends there. We then uh, uh, get a kind of interesting phone call from uh, Peggy's landlord saying that uh, no, no, realtor places a realtor. I'm yes, I'm sorry, yes, yes, realtor uh, saying that you know um, there's some serious uh, shit going down about ten blocks from the place that you're that you know you we were looking at. I think we should drop our offer down and try to, you know, sneak in a little benefit here. I think um, Peggy is slightly confused and appalled by this at the same time, um, but knows that, you know, okay, it seems like you might know what you're talking about here, and I could save like five grand, which I got to be honest with you folks, it's nothing to sneeze at. I'd save five grand right now, no problem. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, excellent bit of You're negotiating welcome. I like advice. To give you, I, I, I like to give you a peek inside the life of Paul. All right, let's close that back down. And uh, Okay, no problem. No problem. Sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, so like I said, I, I think Peggy is a bit, a bit you know, uncertain about this, but at the same time, what are you going to do, you know? And, uh, the, I mean, that's New York reality. Just slimy. Don't get me wrong. It's terrible. Uh, we then get to and John, yeah, speaking I really of slimy. Want you to explain to me. I really want you to explain this to me, okay? Yeah. This guy that they bring in, who is crazy. What does this mean? Why is this here? It felt like such an odd part of this episode. I, I, I'm sorry to say I couldn't agree with you more. That uh, you're right. This is just odd. And again, I'm sure there are things out there. Uh, there are columns and people talking and writing about this, and I'm sure there is, uh, you know, something about this that is uh, <laughs> valuable, but I couldn't find it. I mean, really, this this guy, Roger said, you know, he talked me off of a roof one time, and I thought it was really funny, you know, as Roger even says at the, uh, at the end about how, you know, Randy, we're just going to have to let... Um, you know, whatever you got in your system, go because there's something in there. Well, and that's my thing. I, is that the is that the only, the, you know, Roger's just buddy with this guy so he can get some good drugs? I mean, that's what it feels like. Pretty much. I mean, the yeah, guy's. It's he, just. You know, he, I mean, he's talking about talking with Doctor King's spirit and questioning the whole property thing, and you know, we have the. Uh, the Tecumseh, um, you know, we forgot what he said, and he just, like, hums. Yeah, yeah. that is what we forgot. Uh, Stan's, Stan's, Stan's enjoying the craziness of it, and the fact that this guy does seem high throughout this entire meeting. But I've got to say, it just doesn't seem to add anything to the episode. Listeners, go ahead and write in and tell me what the hell is going on here, because John and I don't know. Um, Don takes off from the meeting... Uh, heads home and, and is glued to the tube, as it were, uh, kind of hearing about what's going on in D.C. Not good things, John. Well, can, I, can I go ahead and uh, back you up just one second? Uh. I don't know. It just it seemed like the only thing from that whole interaction that seemed valuable is right as they're leading uh, Senior Crazy, you know, it says, uh, think about it, guys. The heavens are telling us to change. And Don kind of, uh, at that one moment, kind of gives him more of a, uh, more of a, a deeper look. You know, like, you know, maybe these, these terrible events are, uh, you know, some, uh, some evidence of, 
you know, something we need to do to, to better ourselves. Okay. Okay. I don't know why you had to pull me back. I gotta say, I, I don't know. think anybody... I Nobody know. likes that, John. Okay. Uh, so, Don is watching the TV, seeing that uh, particularly... Or seeing that DC is certainly under fire. And who, who do we get a call from, John? Satan herself, Betty Monster, saying, uh, you have got to come pick up these kids. It's your turn. Uh, Don says... You really want me to drive through the middle of this to get them and bring them back through it? She says that Henry Francis says it's just fine. Well, and if Henry Francis says it's fine, then I believe him. That guy's great. Um, She then makes a crack about how um, if his little girlfriend, which they're married, was in trouble, he would would go on his knees to Canada, which just seemed seemed unneedingly... uh, you know, uh, like like a fight starter. And Tom's like, okay, well, whatever. And he goes up and gets the kids, and they see him. You see him driving through burned out, you know, New York. Yeah, I mean, it, it not seems cool. really not safe. Uh, just, uh, I mean, I guess she's making a point that he's not really, um, he's not really around much. But I don't think she's making that point for any benefit of his. No, no, not at all. Um, can I jump us to the Ginsburg tenement? Yeah. So we're at the Ginsburg tenement. Gin's a hell of a guy. He's fixing his dad's coat. He's got the sewing machine off. He's got the Cheerios box open. And he is uh, he's fixing his coat. Now, Dad says, hey, man, you do a terrible job at this. You know what you need? You need a Goyle. You need a Goyle. Uh, he then makes a crack about maybe you don't like Goyles. Uh, Ginsburg says, hey, listen, hold on. I like Goyles. Ginsburg dad says, well, why aren't you in bed with her right now? There are the times Ginsburg of says, catastrophe. Well, this is when you do these things. Ginsburg says, you know, it's just not, it's not, it's not that, it's not the right time. Yeah, exactly. He says, think about catastrophe. I got to say, poor Gins, you know, you don't need a headache like that. Am I right? You're right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the good thing is, is his dad does relent. And say that he will bring him home a sandwich. From uh, apparently from nice. work. Yes, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, Don wakes up uh, to uh, the kids getting ready to go out to a vigil. Um, turns out that maybe little Bobby's stomach's hurt, so he's going to stay back. But he has been told that he cannot watch TV for two weeks, John. This is because of his house destructive behavior. Well, he's destroying the entire Francis household. So it seems fair to me. I don't know, but it does. Uh, so uh, Megan takes uh, the warlock and Sally, who knew that Don wouldn't go with them. And they go down to a, a, a vigil uh, for MLK. And uh, Don asks, uh, so, you know, what'd you do? Bobby says, I don't know. What's the punishment? Can't watch TV for two weeks. And we find ourselves... At the theater, watching a movie. What movie is it, John? It'd be Planet of the Apes. Not a favorite for me. One thing I noticed, uh, uh, Charlton Heston tends to overact Tad. (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, I've got to say, so um, watching this movie now, 
especially through uh, you know through this uh, television show uh, that at that last scene is borderline hilarious, right? Um, but not the case uh, for Don and Bobby. It was a very serious kind of a reflection of how um, chaotic the world is. Absolutely. I think that's well said. Oh, thank you. Man, I'm on a roll tonight, guys. You really are. Um I think both both um, Don and Bobby really loved it. Really f- got something from this movie. I think you know under the under the umbrella of what has been happening over the last couple of days, um, and they decide to stay and watch it again. Yeah, I can't. I can't say I've ever done that. Well, it seems like uh, it wasn't a big deal. They're just going to hang out in the theater till it starts again. Apparently, no one it doesn't bother anybody. Uh, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, nope. No, they, they definitely uh, sweep you on out of the theater if you linger too long. Um, so because we're already at the hour point, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start uh, moving a little quicker here. Sure thing. Um, we find ourselves in, uh, in Peggy and Abe's apartment. Abe's working hard on, um, on his piece for the New York Times about this entire uh, situation we have going on. Uh, we get a phone call from the realtor who says that we lost the apartment. Uh, it's very kind of short with Peggy and says it wasn't meant to be. Try, try again. Uh, Peggy's just kind of, oh, okay. Um, tells Abe. Abe says that he always imagined them raising their kids in a place that was a bit more diverse, not the Upper East Side, maybe on the West Side. Um, now, this takes Peggy by surprise because now he's talking about having kids together. Some real commitment. Am I right, John? That's right. That's right. And, well, and, and, you know, also when he points out, like, you know, it wasn't my money, so I did, you know, what kind of say do I have? You know, I mean, this is, this is where the whole relationship thing comes in. I've got to say, I think he, in general, he handles it very well. Like, he doesn't get all upset. Like, he just is like, it wasn't my money. I thought it was, it was pretty good. Um, it seems like they're doing well together as a couple. They do have... Maybe a newspaper problem in their apartment where there is um, a bit too many issues strewn apart, strewn around, sorry, uh, the apartment. But um, other than that, kind of a nice little scene for the two of them. Um, it's good to see uh, it's good to see Peggy happy. I got to say, for some reason, it warms my heart. Do you know what else warms my heart, John? Tell me. Father and the son at the movie theater. So they're staying around for the second uh, the second show. And uh, Bobby comes back from, uh, I don't know, the bathroom or buying milk beds or whatever. And there's a, there's a gentleman, uh, you know, cleaning up the theater between uh, uh, shows. And, uh, and, and, and Bobby has a little something to say to him that's uh, very nice. Yeah, this guy was an African-American uh, gentleman. And you know, Bobby says, uh, everybody likes to go to the movies when they're sad. As, uh, as he and Don enjoy some milk duds. You know, understanding that, uh, that this gentleman, likely... Is, is you know in in a sad place as in as are most people right now. Sure, sure. And I think that you know, Don, so, Don sees this as very deep, you know, as as you know an individual who is is growing up, and uh, Don realizes that he's uh, he's missing that. This is true, John. Do you know who else is kind of growing up? Uh, the, the our world? good friend Henry Francis, John. Our good friend Henry Francis. Yes. He's come back from the city. Um, he has been following the mayor around, walking behind him as a flanker, 
And uh, it turns out that he has got an offer uh, to run for Senate. And it turns out that offer is going to be unopposed. So he will uh, take a seat in the Senate, which is pretty exciting. Now, Betty could be happier. Uh, this is always what she's wanted for him. Uh, to be honest, I don't think Betty Monster has had a clue uh, what he even does, let alone what she would want for him. But uh, needless to say, uh, kind of a, uh, uh, a good conversation about, about what could be. Uh, the kind of interesting part is Henry Francis says to uh, Betty Monster, I can't wait for people to get to know you. Which seems like an odd thing to say to Betty Monster, because honestly, if I was married to Betty Monster, I would hide her and hope no one ever got to talk to her. When I was wondering, when, when they show her grabbing the, the dress and trying that on, I mean, do you think that's something that she's had as an ambition? That if he is successful in uh, politics, that she will then be, you know, have some of that limelight uh, that she's desperately craved since quitting her modeling time? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that's probably part of it. I think though that she knows that she needs to get down to quote unquote her fighting weight, uh, uh, because she is going to be more in the public eye. She knows she's going to be. I mean, you know, not that every senator is in the news every day, but she does know that she's going to be more in the public eye than ever before. So I think it certainly gives her a uh, a, a starting point or a, a push to maybe um, you know get back to where she was. Right, right. Yes. I don't know. To her fighting, do you have a do you have a sound effect for fighting weight? Uh, I don't think I do. Uh, I can take a look for it. Uh, that's, that's all right. I've got I got lots of sound effects. You're gonna have plenty of time uh, to learn the soundboard. Yeah, you know it's been tough. It's this gigantic. Oh, I I do. Hold on. That's the fighting weight. Okay. It's a punch. It's a punching. Or or maybe. Wow. Or. One of those three. You know, Don't everybody, you I apologize. That, that was my fault. You, you shouldn't that have asked. My you fault. shouldn't have asked. You, you, you asked, and now everyone's excited. Well, what, luckily, luckily, there is no sound effect for the following scene where uh, Don is doing the 300-yard stare into a bottle of whiskey. When Megan comes in, it's like, what are you doing? You're drinking. Your kids need you. They're scared. And, you know, Don starts talking about parenting and not wanting kids and faking these emotions and then just, uh, you know, having his, uh, his heart go all Grinch on him in the, uh, in the movie theater, getting three sizes too large. And, uh, I like it. And, you know, he's just trying to, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's trying to, you know, once again, make uh, excuses for poor behavior, um, if uh, if he's trying to weird out, me- I mean, wait, like, I don't, where is this coming from? Is this like, is this real? Is this legitimate feelings? I think it is. I think this is a legitimate uh, situation, and uh, as we know, he, he cannot deal with these things, right? He can't deal with real feelings. He can only deal with this uh, this kind of uh, imaginary feelings, right? Which I think is really interesting, right? Because you, you'll hear him talk to um, the staff, right, in that last or maybe two episodes ago, where he's explaining um, the emotion of love, right? And how powerful it is, and how when you overuse it, it becomes uh, less powerful, right? Right. So he certainly understands what emotions are on a, uh, like on a descriptive level. But I think for him to feel them 
for him to actually feel them is a much different thing and kind of exhausting for him because he does he tries so hard to block them out and this he couldn't block out because it was too genuine right like it doesn't come from he doesn't he didn't choose to feel this or in any way have any control over it bobby did this thing and without thinking about it he felt something which is a lot harder to deny or to or to try to get around which i thought was interesting because the feelings for so for instance when you think about um um, the feelings he should have uh, of guilt um, sitting across from the doctor and Megan uh, and having dinner, right? Right. He can control those because he actively, uh, he, he's, he's in charge of um, kind of making that situation, okay? All right. But with, Bob, but with Bobby, he has no control over that situation. So he can't kind of choose how to feel about it. Gotcha. Right. So I think that's what's kind of interesting when you think about his struggle to to kind of block things out. Um, he can't block this out. He had no control over it. And and so it, it kind of ended in this really kind of difficult place for him. And I think, you know, Megan seems pretty concerned, obviously, that he's in this place. And uh, well, know. yes, she's not used to him. She's not used to him opening up like that. There's only been maybe one or two times, right? Right. Whereas, whereas yeah. Pete was hoping the delivery man would open up a little bit. I gotta say, uh, I think if he had just asked him a few more questions, this guy would have come in and they could have had a great time. <laughs> just, just would have broken out the glasses, a couple rounds of quarters. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Here again, just 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 sadness turned up to level ten. Uh, no, no, no. His, Pete's apartment goes to eleven. I, it certainly does, John. Set spike. Uh, the just this this tiny sad place. Uh, just honestly, get the guy one more lamp. It is so dark and sad in there. I can't. I can barely take it. Um, you know, after uh, Don's talk with Megan, I feel like it, it kind of opened him up a little bit. So when he is, uh, when he does step outside his room and he sees that um, Bobby's still awake, he goes and talks to him. And this kind of turns it to be kind of funny because uh, Bobby's not sleeping because he's worried that, you know, what if someone shoots Henry Francis? And Don says he's not important enough for anybody to shoot him. <laughs> That's true. But at the same time, you know, this is what Bob, Bobby's not thinking. Hey, I'm, I'm worried that you my you know my dad is right. going to get shot you know i'm worried about the guy i see every day my dad who's is probably a lot nicer right probably a lot nicer to bobby he's probably more a better father to bobby than don has ever been probably uh, to oh, date yeah. i'd have to say oh totally so and i think don knows this i think don i mean obviously how could you not realize that um don realizes this uh, walks out on the balcony to have a smoke and 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 just stands there to watch the city burn, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's deep in thought once again. But uh, <laughs> as always, and that uh, that that comes. takes us out. My that that's the show. Woo wee! That was a lot, John. That was a lot. Uh, we are already at a uh, an hour, uh, an hour fifteen. Let's call it. That's not right. Um, but uh, I think I quickly would like to open the mailbag. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do that. 
Okay, I've got a I've got a new sound for the mailbag. You ready? Oh, please make it a good one. And we're open. Did you? <laughs> uh, no, that's great. That was that was that was that was from Ginsburg. That was for Ginsburg. That was for Ginsburg. Okay. Well, thank that's you. And and uh, once again, a lot of great emails. We'll try and, and get through as many as we can. Uh, here we got our first one. Uh, this was from Belinda. Now Belinda is a thirty-something who is from Australia who is living in London. What? Yes. It says, about a month ago, I searched online for a podcast to help me brush up on the Mad Men series in preparation for season six. I was blessed to find your recap and have not stopped laughing since. Thank you for your hard work and sharing your wonderful humor and chemistry with the world. I have fallen a little bit uh, in love with you both as a result. That's not true. That's not true. I I enjoy that. Thank you for including us both. Listen, John, Dr. John has a velvety soft caressing type of voice and i gotta be honest with you john i fall in love with you every single time we do this show is that weird no thank you uh but she said i do most of my listening in the early hours of the morning when i should really be studying and writing university assignments as far as your back catalog goes i just finished season five the christmas waltz i laughed so much i cried and now about to hit play on the other woman also listening to your new podcast from season six looking forward to have hearing what you have to say about this episode um to have and to hold i'm sorry the past episode to have and to hold in the uh, the next day or so while joan is my favorite character seems slightly adrift at the moment my prediction is that she will take over the agency's tv media department following the dramatic departure of harry crane he will either come to blows with joan and be forced to resign, or else meet his maker in the empty elevator shaft. Preferably the latter. Keep uh, keep it coming, and don't change a thing. Thank you, Belinda, in London. Uh, we, All right, we thanks, Belinda. Our friend Dina. Dina uh, sent us this note. I'll get to it in just a second. She also sent us a spectacular link to a teen beat photo shoot for Vincent slash Pete Campbell. And oh my those God, have this just, will make you vomit. Those have just been added to the Facebook. Uh, please grab some kind of air sickness bag before you open the link. Uh, but she oh, also yeah. writes, uh, there is an, there's an old expression that something keeps reappearing like a bad penny. That's the motif in Mad Men. Is Don the bad penny? Or is the other woman the bad penny? I don't know. And uh, also a theory on Joan giving Dawn the supply closet uh, and time card keys is the previous episode. Uh, as a partner, Joan is distancing herself from secretarial duties and giving the responsibilities to, to Dawn. Um, Joan isn't trying to get her fired. So uh, I, I, think, I, I think I see that as a, a great comment that, you know, she's she, uh, Joan's trying to be more partner-like and less secretary-like. Sure, sure. You know, I've never heard the, uh, the term bad pemmy, but I have heard the term sour nickel. Oh. I don't know if that's yeah. I don't I don't know what that means though. <laughs> All right, uh, our friend Denise writes in. Uh, she says, I, "I think you guys are hysterically funny." The Abbott and Costello of Mad Men. Uh, is that a compliment though? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> third base. Um, First base. The, Who's the, on? Uh, anyway. uh, friend Maya writes in. Our, our good friend from the great state of Rhode Island. Uh, oh, where is that? 
Is ah. that still a state? Is Rhode Island still a state? Hi, hi there. Uh, so happy you're back. Super you know, podcast. you know how you know how you know how Pluto's not a planet anymore. Oh, it would, you think the same fate befell? I think uh, the Rhode same. Island? It's a parallel. It got, a parallel it, got uh, it got degraded into a county, um, possibly. But uh, I think you guys missed a biggie with last week, last week's episode. Again, this is uh, going back to the Don Joan interaction at the uh, end of the. Uh, the episode that she's picking Dawn as her successor, uh, where keys in an office are power, as well as getting away from, you know, again, the secretarial stuff to be more partner-like. And uh, she's trusting Dawn because Dawn did something wrong, admitted it, took responsibility, and offered, you know, to to have her pay Doc, to offer to try and make it right. Um, yeah. And, uh, of course, Dawn's big accomplishment is that she hasn't died, freaked out, or ended up uh, married as Don's secretary. Um, that's true. Don's secretaries have had a rough go. So man, oh man. Um, and, and how? <laughs> plus, she she also says, "Who else is going to replace Joan as a secretary?" Meredith. Come on. Um, Come on. She she's going to have her own spinoff. Now this this one was tough, uh, but uh, you know I, I think everybody's got their opinion. Uh, Jimmy from Toledo, Ohio writes in and says, Hi guys, just wanted to send you an email to discuss a few things. First off, Dr. John is a godsend. He really pulls the show together with his wit and his technical analysis. I have often had to go back and rewatch episodes because of things he's pointed out. You, sir, are my favorite part of the show. Thank you, Jimmy. It's very kind. Secondly, I have to say that today's podcast was uh, great, even though Paul almost ruined it with his taco chewing. I must admit that Paul never really does it for me. But this episode put me into a blind rage. Leaving the show to get tacos? Really? I thought for a few minutes that he wasn't coming back and I started envisioning the show without him. My dreams were quickly dashed when he returned with his food. As if that wasn't horrible enough, he talked whilst he ate. The sound of his usual annoying voice was made even more disgusting when he decided to get his unremarkable point across with a mouthful of Mexican cuisine. Wow, I almost lost the contents of my stomach on more than one occasion. Uh, The emailer that requested Paul talk less couldn't have been more spot on. Ah, sorry, man. (laughs) That's a tough one. That's a tough one, guys. Now listen, uh, uh, this guy obviously has um, some mental issues. Um, Clearly, um, not thinking straight. Uh, I like to think of myself as the as the uh, the bright light of this show. Okay, my voice. Uh, if you take your earphones out of your ears, is a delight. Uh, as well as I think my insights are, um, you know, uh, kind of surface level and interesting. Hey, you this were guy is clear. you were this... you were below par today, my friend. You were doing great. Thank you. This guy is clearly a dickbag, but that's not true because this guy is not a dickbag, folks. Uh, I, I get a lot of emails that are very similar to this. <laughs> but uh, uh, our friend Jimmy here just wanted me to go off on him. And in the next paragraph, so that he's just kidding, um, that, uh, that uh, he loves the show. And he just wanted me to tell him off. And honestly, Jimmy, you should have just <laughs> sent it without that second part. Because I would have come at this like a bull in a china shop. So, uh, but thank you for the email. Um, actually, everyone thought that was very funny to 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 bait me with such a terrible, a terrible uh, first paragraph. Uh, I told all of my friends about it. We had a good laugh. 
So uh, thank you very much. Thanks for, for watching the show, uh, even though uh, it's all audio. Now the the, uh, so, the next uh, person we got, uh, Julian. Julian writes it. Now Julian is the person that uh, that told Paul to stop talking the previous time, and yeah. uh, Ju- Julian writes in uh, with with the big laugh. Aha! I just listened to the last week's breakfast uh, recap. Come on, Paul, lighten up. Well, I guess I put talk less right there in my subject line, so perhaps I was yeah. a bit blunt. But you did sort of gloss yeah. over some good content that John was pulling out. Maybe I should have more said that more gently. Hey, Paul, stop and listen to John for a second here. But I like you, too. See, now this is great. This is how the, the Harry Crane-Pete Campbell conversation should have gone. Um, should have gone. But to be fair, I did call him a dickbag on the last episode. <laughs> And uh, Julian goes on to say, anyways, let me build you up here, Buttercup. I laughed out loud at your quip on the swingers like to watch comment. You paraphrased for Don. I think we made ourselves clear. And also, I thought Peggy's firm won the Heinz business until Paul straightened me out on that point. So thanks for clearing that up. How did everybody miss that? Like, literally, everybody missed that. Everybody missed that, yeah. Uh, I don't understand that. I thought that was pretty clear. I haven't. See, folks? Yeah. Back off. There you go. Uh, our good friend, uh, a good, this was just uh, just a random one. Our good friend Tony from Brooklyn, New York, right up the street from you. Uh, yeah, writes we, a, uh, yeah. So apparently, uh, Harry Crane is going to be in a play there in New York, put on by the Roundabout Theater Company. The world premiere debut uh, coming up this month, and it's called "The Unavoidable Disappearance of Tom Dernan." Not real sure what it's about, but if you yeah, look up Roundabout Theater, you. you should be able to find it. I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Rick Summer is quite enough of a draw to get me to go to the theater. Am I right, folks? That's not even on the soundboard. <laughs> uh, a friend, uh, Jarrett, writes in. Let me just uh, first state that I'm a huge fan of your show. Recently, left you a glowing iTunes review. I wanted to email you for a while now, but it was very hard to find your address. I had to scrub through podcast episodes to find the spot where you share it. You should really have a contact us area on your website. That shows your email. No, 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 no. Literally, we say our email address at the end of every show. Every single show. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. Have you listened to one episode of our show? Well, Staff at MadmenRecap.com. We're putting the address at like the hour and a half mark. So I don't know how many people are making it. Any that show, far. though. Literally, any single show. <laughs> Any show. And, and you actually do have the uh, email on the website. It's just under the About Us. Um, oh, for Christ's but sake. But he does write in. hard to find. He does write in. One thing I've noticed for a while I wanted to ask you guys uh, over the, uh, the episodes was, what about the TV remote control? How is that so common? I grew up in the 80s and uh, still had the TVs. You had to get up and change the station. I'm sure it wasn't common technology in the 60s. But I would uh, love to hear your thoughts on it. Love the show. Thanks for all the work. Uh, uh, well, thank you, Jarrett. The, uh, the, uh, the, the TV remote history is a fascinating one, invented in 1955. Uh, actually, not as a remote, but with, it was wired, uh, where we did get some light technology into the 60s and really did advance past that. And I think it's just a, a show that a lot of the people are, you know, not, not lower middle class. You know, clearly Ginsburg didn't have a remote, uh, whereas uh, Don does, so... I think yeah. that's what we're going for with that. But uh, thank you, Jared. We got uh, Mike writes in, uh, fan of the show. A few impressions of the flood. That uh, judging from his appearance, Abe is now either Hell's Angels hairdresser or a roadie for the Almond Brothers. Hey, oh. 
Okay. Uh, Paul, okay. Paul Newman must have had a head cold. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. That was kind of rough. Yeah. And um, uh, my prediction uh, uh, upon discovering Don's downstairs mistress later this season, Megan will beat her fist into the carpet and scream, You maniacs, you blew it up. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for that one. And then just one, uh, uh, one final um, email here. We got uh, Shannon from Tulsa writes in. So happy to hear you guys back podcasting. Please tell Paul to keep his darn feet off the power strip. Although I, yeah. I sure, I'm sure I speak for all the listeners when I think it was very professional and gentlemanly of you to go through the episode twice, even if Paul did yeah. abandon you for a tortilla. Uh, well, Shannon, you pre- get hungry, folks. You do get hungry. Shannon says, "I predict a, a death coming soon. I think either Megan will kill herself, or the doctor will die by accident." And by the way, have you have we seen Joan's child? Well, yes, we have. Actually, yes, we did, uh, and it's a monster of a big kid. Big kid, big kid was uh, when she was hung over. Mom, mom still made her take care of it uh, when her mom had to go out. Uh, you guys mentioned him last week, which made me think I had missed him in the episode somewhere. So yes, if you go back. You will find him. Keep up the good work, Miss. Uh, I miss you, Kate, from uh, from Shannon. Kate, I think uh, is uh, is is she traveling? Yes, she's uh, she's on the road. Uh, she is. Uh, She's uh, she's not here. And lastly, thank you to Ellen and Michael for helping out with our three things this uh, this week. And that's oh, it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I don't know if you need that to uh, to wrap up the the mailbag. Uh, I don't. Uh, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Did you get that? Oh sure, yes, yeah, we got it. Okay, uh, folks, uh, we'd like to say just a, a great big uh, 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 thanks. We love doing the show. Um, we'll wrap it up here real quick, uh, just with the ways you can get in touch with us. Um, the main way you can get in touch with us is through our email, staff at batmanrecap.com. Uh, that's certainly an easy way to reach us. Uh, the other way to see what's going on, if you need to listen to some more shows, uh, is uh, at our website, uh, madmenrecap.com all the information is there and while you're there uh, go ahead and uh, jump on the Facebooks that's right we have a Facebook fan page Mad Men Recap you can see a lot of listener art you can talk with uh, other fans of the show uh, it's a great little community now folks you might be saying to yourself but Paul I want to get more involved and I totally understand that and there's a good way to get involved uh, through the Twitters that's right we live tweet every single damn show of the season and i've got to say folks we have some pretty funny people tweeting with us there's i caught a few that uh made me laugh out loud uh i retweet everything that uh that folks send us so you'll get to see the entire uh community uh talking about the show and it's really fun uh last but not least you can send john uh uh uh, something in the post. I don't. Uh, did, I, did I say it all? I got, I got it all. You got it. Well, actually, the one thing we wanted to bring out this week that we haven't said in a while is that we are on Stitcher. For those of you, oh, that... we are. Yeah, that's right. Stitcher Smart Radio. So for for those of you that have, uh, you know, like uh, a smart TV or maybe a new car with a, you know, the in dash uh, computer stuff for the high techs and the whatnot and the nerds, uh, we are on Stitcher Stitcher Smart Radio. So you can look us up there and. Uh, Listen to us on your commute without having to download to your um, iPhone, iPod, or Android device, uh, which is pretty effing exciting, John. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good service. It's been good to us. Um, 
I guess other than that, though, uh, we're good to go. Great job. Right on the hour and a half mark. Oh, fuck, guys. I hope your commute's an hour and a half, folks. <laughs> anyway, uh, good talk to you. I, will, I, I, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I did not phone it in this week. So whoever left us a message on the iTunes, uh, please write a new one. Um, <laughs> that, says, uh, that says Paul showed up and was a game day player. Because I take that stuff very seriously, as does Dr. John. John, until next time. Good night. All right, pal. Bye-bye.